Hello, welcome to Thy Kingdom Come, Day 5. We're looking at the facts of the Gospel, and today we're looking at Paul's Gospel in Romans 1. When Paul writes to the church in Rome, he begins by quoting what looks like another quick, tight-packed summary of what the Christian Gospel really is. And he explains that he himself is one of those who's been sent into the world by Jesus himself, and that he is, quote, set apart for God's good news, unquote so that Paul's whole life is shaped by the vocation to be the teller and even the embodiment of this gospel. This gospel, he says, was promised beforehand through God's prophets in the sacred writings. In other words, one can see with clear hindsight that the events concerning Jesus were indeed the fulfilment, shocking though it seemed at the time, of all that Israel's prophets had glimpsed in oracles and visions long before. So, what is this good news? It isn't a technique for making your life a bit happier, though in some ways it will. It isn't a way of sorting out your religious interiority, though it'll do that as well. Nor is it simply about how we can be, in the time-honoured phrase, justified by faith, though of course that follows too. No, the gospel, the good news, is the fact of Jesus himself. Paul writes that God's gospel is the good news about his son, who was descended from David's seed in terms of flesh, and who was marked out powerfully as God's son in terms of the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, Jesus the King, our Lord. Now, that dense little summary, like the one we looked at in 1 Corinthians 15, packs in a lot, but we can see its basic shape. To repeat, the gospel is first and foremost a message about Jesus, not about you and me, though of course it reaches out from the central facts to challenge every one of us. And the message in question is that Jesus has now already been installed as the true Lord of the world. Recall that in this letter Paul is writing to the church in Rome, where there was already one very powerful man who thought that he was the true lord of the world, and he could back it up with serious military force. Paul says, with the boldness of the true evangelist, that actually Jesus, not Caesar, is the lord of the world, and he backs this up with the power of the Spirit, God's own Spirit, the Spirit by whom Jesus was raised from the dead. So this sharp little statement lines up with what Jesus himself says at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And also with the earlier prophecy that some of those listening to his words wouldn't die until they had seen God's kingdom come with power, as in Mark chapter 9, verse 1. Our problem is that when we think in terms of power, we think in terms of governments sending in the troops to sort things out. But the way God sorts things out is quite different, as Jesus himself said frequently, and as Paul and others discovered. The gospel, the good news that the crucified and risen Jesus is the true Lord of the world, transforms people. It recruits us into Jesus' service so that we can be part of his world-transforming promise-fulfilling work.